Hello, and welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and since you aren't hearing anyone else being introduced as a co-host, this will be a solo episode. I had originally planned to get my brother to be on this episode with me. No, not Joey, the one who does the Deadpool vs. Thanos mini coverage with me. I have another brother. He and his family were actually visiting us last week, and I was hoping we could snag a little bit of time to record together. Quick tip in case you didn't know this. When you have multiple children under the age of five involved, most plans you have are going to go right out the window. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure I'll get them on another time. For now, that means this will be a solo episode. I haven't done one of these in a while, so that's cool. And besides, next episode, we should have Brian back to cover Captain Marvel 32. But today, we will be covering the appearances of Thanos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, be aware, there will be some spoilers from the Ed credit scenes from Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron, as well as chunks of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I will be putting links in the show notes for all the clips that I'm going to be playing today. So if you want to, you can go watch them. Now this episode is coming out, and it's being recorded after Guardians 2 has come out. But as of me recording this, it's barely been a week. And I haven't seen it yet. So there will be no spoilers from that movie, obviously. But what are we going to be doing then? Like I said, we're going to be covering Thanos' appearances and the three movies he has appeared in so far. We're going to see what we can delve... We're going to delve into that... See what we can figure out from there. See if we see any major differences from the original Thanos in the comics or what seems to be what they're pulling from it. And we're also going to see what we can speculate on in the future and what we're hoping to see in these other movies. First, though, before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break and play a promo for another show. And then we're going to start off with the movie Thanos' first appearance in the end credit scene from Avengers. My name is Michael Bailey, and I am still kind of a bad geek. Not a fan of anime, never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I've ventured a little further into the worlds of Star Wars and Star Trek, and I've even managed to watch a little Doctor Who. I've also managed to not watch a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic, Comic books. books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. Back in 2007, I started a podcast called Views from the Long Box to deal with this borderline personality disorder. Every week or so, I pick a particular comic or issue or character or whatever to talk about them and then... Well, I, I talk about them. It's kind of what a podcast is. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I'm joined by my semi-regular co-host, the Irredeemable Shag, or Thomas DJ, and the permanent semi-regular co-host, Andrew Leyland, and sometimes another friend from the podcasting and comic book world stops by to chat. The show is located at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com, where you can find old episodes and show notes and links to my other internet endeavors. You can also find the show on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter under the handle at Bailey's Podcasts. Views from the Long Box, a podcast about comic books or a desperate cry for help. You decide every Tuesday or so at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. 
promised. They stand. They are unruly and therefore cannot be ruled. To challenge them is to court death. As I'm sure you all know, that was the end credit scene from Avengers. Now, Thanos did not speak at all in this scene. In fact, we didn't even know it was him until he turned around in the last few seconds. The character speaking is known as The Other, and was played by Alexis Denisoff, known for his roles as Wesley in Buffy and Angel, and Sandy Rivers in How I Met Your Mother, among others. The Other is a character that was created just for the movies. As far as I know, he has no appearances in the comics. Considering how secret they kept Thanos' appearance in Avengers, I'm assuming the Other exists mostly so Thanos could stay hidden, because the Other also does appear earlier in the movie, providing Loki with the Chitauri army that he uses to invade New York. So again, they probably did that just so that way they didn't have to have Thanos in there and less scenes that would potentially be in previews that could spoil that. And besides that, it also works character-wise, as going back to his earliest appearances in the comics, Thanos always used flunkies and intermediaries, like the Blood Brothers, the Super Skull, and the Controller. Also, in the comics, Thanos has been shown to have some type of working relationship with the Badoon, though he is never shy about slaughtering them if they fail. So, here in the movie, they use the Chitauri. Same difference, because while he does have several personality shortcomings, Thanos is quite powerful and intelligent, so he could do the dirty work himself, but he doesn't always need to get his own hands dirty when he can have somebody else do it for him. At least until they inevitably fail. Before we get to Guardians of the Galaxy, I have two other topics that interest me from this scene. The first is the location. It takes place in space, but it's not out in a ship or on another world. Just out in space. But not empty, black, dark space. This is a Jim Starlin-inspired space. It's full of casses and asteroids and, pl and planetoids and stars and other things. Which is something that, if you've been following along with the Captain Marvel issues, Jim Starlin does do a lot of. And also the feel of this space. It, to me, it was quite foreboding. It felt like it was a desolate woods or an abandoned castle. Like this era of space was haunted or it's where the Elder Gods and Cthulhu will be entering into our universe soon. The other topic is the last line in the scene when the other tells Thanos to challenge them is to court death. And Thanos just smiles. <laughs> now obviously this was a reference for Thanos' love for Mistress Death. But the question remains, was this just an easter egg for us comic fans? And when the other says court, he's using the meaning to seek, to gain, or achieve? Like, to challenge these earthlings means you're going to risk death? Or was it an actual hint that we will really see Thanos' court to seek the affections of death? By the way, all definitions come from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And forgot to mention this in the opening. Slight spoiler for the Thor Ragnarok trailer, in case you were worried about that. Might want to jump ahead a little bit. We all know... Anyway, at least any of us who have seen the trailer for Thor Ragnarok, that Hela, the Asgardian goddess of death, will be appearing. So, 
she's an option. I mean, she's not exactly Mistress Death, but close enough, Thanos could be involved with her. I was also looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki, and that's where I found out the other's name. Of course, this is a wiki, so we need to take any info from there with a grain of salt. But, according to that, there are carvings shown on the temple walls of Morag. And in case you forgot, Morag is the planet that uh, Starler went to in the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. The temple where he got the orb, aka the Papara Gem, is in that temple. According to the wiki, the walls of the temple vault displayed the four entities that created the Infinity Stones. Entropy, Infinity, Death, and Eternity. This scene of the four cosmic entities is also shown later on in, this, in Guardians when they meet up with the Collector and he tells them the origin of the Infinity Stones. I watched both of these scenes again, and while I couldn't really tell if that is what was carved in the temple walls, something was carved in there, and I definitely did see that though in the Collector scene. Of course, this does not mean we will see Mistress Death or any of the other cosmic entities going forward. But personally, I really hope we do. I really love that concept. I always have ever since I first started reading Marvel in the late 80s. For me, having the cosmic entities takes these abstract concepts and they become more relatable. It's like uh, Thanos' love for Mistress Death, and that's the motivation behind everything he does. Because pretty much all of us have done something stupid for love. Probably not that insane level that Thanos is at, but we can still somewhat relate. And for me, it's the same thing with these cosmic entities. It's sometimes a little easier to identify with or understand these abstract concepts when they're hosted in a physical body with a personality. There's no guarantee that we will see Mistress Death at all. And like I said before, they do have Hela, so they can just use her. And there's also no reason they can't just say that Hela is an aspect of Mistress Death. But I would really love to see the real thing. You have been betrayed, Ronan. We know only that she has been captured. Gamora may yet recover the orb. No. Our sources within the kiln say Gamora has her own plans for the orb. Your partnership with Thanos is at risk. Thanos requires your presence. Now! With all due respect, Thanos, your daughter, made this mess, and yet you summon me. I would lower my voice, accuser. First, she lost a battle with some primitive. Thanos put Gamora under your trap. Then she was apprehended by the Nova Corps. You are the one here with nothing to show for it. Your sources say that she meant to betray us the whole time. Now it's your turn! I begin you! I only ask that you take this matter seriously. The only matter I do not take seriously, boy, is you. Your politics bore me. Your demeanor is that of a pouty child. And apparently, you alienated my favorite daughter, Gamora. We shall honor our agreement, Kree, if you bring me the order. But return to me again empty-handed, and I will bathe the starways in your blood. Thanks, Dad. Sounds fair. This is one fight you won't win. 
Let's head to the kiln. In case you didn't recognize it, the scene you just listened to is from Guardians of the Galaxy, when Ronin is called before Thanos. First thing I want to note here is the location. It appears to be the same place we saw Thanos and the other, and yes, we just heard Ronin kill the other. One flunky down, several more to go. It's the same place where Thanos and the other were talking in the credit scene from Avengers. And this movie is finally given a name. Sanctuary. Now in the comics, Sanctuary 2 was the name of Thanos' ship. This is, I guess, Sanctuary 1. And I'm wondering, was this maybe a planet that Thanos had already destroyed? Because it does kind of have the look. And I like that. And I like that they still left room for Sanctuary 2 to be the actual ship. Okay, on the Thanos himself. In their interaction, Ronan is very upset and frustrated. He needs to strike back for the Kree. Because this version of Ronan is a religious, nationalistic zealot. And this really matters to him. Thanos basically just dismisses him in his needs as something very unimportant and uninteresting. But to get what Thanos wants, the orb, he'll help him out. Of course, this could be just because Thanos has plans for the entire universe and doesn't care what happens in this podunk area of space. But, like I mentioned when I was talking about the Avengers credit scene, I'm hoping it's his love for death because that would give a better reason for his attitude. He's dismissing Ronan not just because he's plan you know, Thanos is planning universal conquest, though I'm sure he is, but because he has a higher purpose, love. As many people say, it's the most important thing that exists in the world, or the universe in this case. Thanos would definitely agree, but only his love. It's the only one that counts, the only real love. And it's much more important than Ronan's petty need for vengeance. We've said this on the show before. Thanos has the emotional maturity of an angry teenager, and that all fits. Like many teens, he feels like he and his partner, Death, are the only ones to really know love. True love. The rest of us just don't get it. We don't know. You know, if Thanos just wants conquest and the love story is not a part of it, that's... Okay. Just okay. And I think the love story, though, gives this so much more meaning and makes it, well, to me, more interesting. It gives more weight to what he's doing. And I also do want to say that I love the fact that he doesn't yell or smash or just blast anything when he's intimidating Ronan and, puts him in his, and putting him in his place. It just gives him a matter-of-fact statement that I will kill you. I also want to say that I just love Nebula's reactions in this clip. Watch this one. Pay attention to her. First you get that look she gives when the other reveals that Gamora has her own agenda. She looks, I don't know, betrayed or shocked, something. And then there's a look of interest when Ronin kills the other, and she glances over to Thanos to see what his reaction will be. 30 seconds later, and you can see the hurt in her face as Thanos calls Gamora his favorite daughter. Ouch. Now... Is this the Nebula from Marvel Comics? I can't say. I know I have read a few stories that she was in, but the one that really sticks out to me, she was basically just a zombie in that. Anyone remember what that was, by the way? So, I have no real thoughts about her character. She's just a space bad guy. 
But I want to say that Karen Gillan made me actually enjoy Nebula in this movie. There are a few characters where I never really gave a damn about the comic version, but the way they were playing the movies actually made me enjoy those characters. The first two of those that pop in my head is uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus. Now, this part really didn't have much to do with Thanos, but you know, I just want to say bravo to Miss Gillen, and I'm very happy she will be in Guardians 2. Now, it's time for another break, and then the second Thanos theme from Guardians of the Galaxy. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll all Truth and justice and see a land in air. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. The Fire and Water Podcast. Celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Available at Fire and Water Podcast, Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? It's bad enough I have to put up with your shenanigans every... The orb is in my possession, as I promised. Bring it to me. Yes, that was our agreement. Bring you the orb, and you will destroy Xandar for me. However, now that I know it contains an infinity stone, I wonder what use I have for you. Boy, I would reconsider your current course. Master, you cannot. Thanos is the most powerful being in the universe. Not anymore. thousand years of Cree justice on Xandar and burn it to its core. Then Thanos, I'm coming for you. After Xandar, you're going to kill my father? You dare to oppose me? You see what he has turned me into? You kill him, I will help you destroy a thousand planets. Well, Ronin is a backstabbing pain in the ass, isn't he? Now, it does make sense from his perspective. You know, instead of having to make a deal or figure out a new plan every time he just wants to destroy a planet, you know, he can just use the orb and do it himself. And probably also set up a newer and stronger Kree Empire with himself as the Emperor, I'm sure. This was interesting, though, because this is the one time in the movies we've actually seen Thanos lose some of his patience. And this is only the loss of one orb. In Avengers, he lost two, as we learn later on. To me, the difference here is that Ronan knows who Thanos is. He knows about Thanos. He told Thanos he's coming after him. Just to be clear, I don't think Thanos is actually worried about Ronan coming after him. Sure, he has the orb, power gem, power stone, whatever it's called. But Ronan's not that bright. 
he seems, at least the movie version, seems to be more of just a basic thug. He obviously did figure out how to use the stone, but in just its most basic, but very destructive way. Thanos is more than smart enough to know how to deal with that and defeat him. It's more annoying for him, I think, because it's not going to be on Thanos' schedule. It'll be on Ronin's, since Ronin's plan was destroy Xandar, come after Thanos. As we see, Thanos prefers to plan and scheme and strike when it's convenient for him. That's why he doesn't have a problem with the ones that are on Earth. They don't even know about him. He can get them at his leisure. And that's also kind of why we don't see Thanos, at least why I think, we don't see Thanos show up at the end of Guardians to get the power gem from the Nova Corps. I mean, yes, the Nova Corps does know about Thanos, but he knows where it is, and he knows they're not going to use it. So he just has to wait until the most convenient time for himself, and then he'll strike. And I'm sure we'll see that probably in one of the final movies before Infinity War, if not in the actual Infinity War movie. There really isn't much to say about this scene. Obviously, Thanos has gotten tired of using lackeys. To be fair, he never really had the best taste in underlings anyway. I mean, the Blood Brothers? Really? I'm a bit annoyed that the Infinity Gauntlet was a thing first. Because that's what he steals from, Asg- from that vault in Asgard that he broke into there. I like it better in the comics, where Thanos just is putting the gems on his glove and eventually, after he gets them all, decides to call up the Infinity Gauntlet. I don't know why the Infinity Gauntlet has to be a thing. I'm hoping at least there is an in-story reason. It, to be fair, it's not a big deal. This is not a deal-breaker for me. This is not going to make, cause a major issue for me in the movies. It's not going to be, well, the movie was good except for the Gauntlet was there first. Just, I don't prefer it that way. But, we'll see how they do the movies. Well, if the movies are good enough, I'm not going to care about that. It's not that important. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Most podcasts I listen to love feedback. Guess what? I'm no exception. Want to tell me what you think of the show? Or what you think about what's going on with Adam and Thanos in either current comics or the old ones? What they're doing with them in the movies? Or other cosmic stuff? Whatever. Easy to get to us. Here's how. First of all, you on Facebook. We got a Facebook page. Very easy to find. Log into Facebook. Go to that searchy box up top. Type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. We are literally the second thing that pops up on those. Like the page. There you go. Or on Tumblr. Resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com Show us also on Twitter. At AdamThanosPod. Follow us on there. Send us comments. We'll talk back. Really have nothing better to do. And, of course, the basic way. Send an email. Resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com Now, speaking of these pages and feeds, on Tumblr and Facebook and stuff, there are people that have been following us on there, and I just wanted to thank them for that. I'm going to continue what I've been doing the last few episodes and thanking some of our Tumblr followers. So today, I'd like to give a shout-out to Entropix88, Mr. Cosmic, Maraud, Infinity Watcher, and Sleeping Underwater. Also, when I put episode 59 up on Twitter, it was retweeted and liked a few times. I want to thank Out of the Fridge, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Warlord Worlds, 
and cheap comic websites for retweeting episode 59. And also, Out of the Fridge, Xenozoic Xenophiles, and Warlord Worlds, they also like that as well. So thanks again. Finally, I love all my followers. Thank you for listening to the show. I wouldn't mind more. I will never say no to that. You know anyone that you think would like the show? Tell them about us. We're very easy to find. They can find us on iTunes. We're on Podbean. It's on the Internet Archive, which you can find at archive.org. And this show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Spitaro. I don't know if you know me, but I'm a regular on Back to the Bins along with my friends Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Mr. Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Andy's been asking us for a promo for the show for the longest time, and Bill has been writing it for the longest time. Bill, you got that promo written yet? Uh... Okay, so, anyway, what we do is we review three comic books. We try to do it every week. Usually it's a Marvel, a DC, and a Captain Canuck book for Scott. So, tune in every week to Back to the Bins to listen to our show. You can find us at twotruefreaks.com. That's it for this time. Hope you all enjoyed this look at Thanos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can also send me your own thoughts about Thanos' use in the MCU, and I'll mention whatever I get. Now, remember, as of this recording, I still haven't seen Guardians 2, and I'm trying to avoid as many spoilers as possible. So, if he shows up in that, or mentioned there, or you're even just going to be talking about something that you saw in that movie, warn me about spoilers in the header. Speaking of the movie, I recently did a guest spot on Back to the Bins, episode 283, where I joined Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott Gardner in talking about the first comic book appearances of Her, Mantis, and Ego, the Living Planet, as well as our thoughts on the upcoming movie and what Adam's role could be in the MCU. Want to listen to that? Check out the show notes for a link. Thanks, and I'll see you all next time. All right, hold up, hold up. We got a mid-credit scene here. <laughs> Actually, funny thing, I wasn't planning on doing a mid-credit scene. I was getting what I'm about to tell you about ready, and was thinking, oh, you know what? I'm putting up the new episode Sunday night. I can fit it in there. Where should I put it in the middle? I already recorded most of that. I know. I'll stick it in the middle of the credits. There we go. That'll be fun. Didn't realize like 10 minutes ago that th this episode is all about Thanos' appearances in the MCU, which were mostly mid and end credit scenes. And this is a end credit scene, or, well, mid credit scene. Anyway, I know I mentioned this before, but past co-host The Buck, he did the Thanos vs. Hulk miniseries with me, which I believe was episodes 30, 32, 37, and 39 started up a website, thepopculturepalace.com. And I've been contributing on there doing some comic posts. But my main purpose on there is doing a podcast to go along with the website. Well, that podcast should be coming up in June. And here is the official promo for it. Hope you guys like it.
the Bronze Age Mystery Box. Grown-ass geeks. The regularly scheduled programming. These shows, and others to come, can all be found on the Pop Culture Palace Presents podcast. The official podcast for the Pop Culture Palace website. Find it on Podium, iTunes, and thepopculturepalace.com starting June 2017. and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast is a fan-made production and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.